Well, hello, and Ray. welcome to Leesburg Talk. <laughs> Sitting around the room, we got our usual crew. Uh, <laughs> we have Sammy, we have James Smith, the mayor of Cynthia, and we Captain got- James Smith, first time. <laughs> and we got Maddie Simpson. Welcome hey, hey. to the podcast, James. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. It's April Fools here at the It hub. is? So yeah. but this is really me. This is, really a, <laughs> this is really this is really the mayor. April Fools, yeah. Not a look alike <laughs> or a sound well, alike. Well, we figured there would be no better time to invite you to come than on April first. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and on April 1st, we actually have our bold guys starting to meet here at the Hub tonight. And it's right. not a joke. That's that exciting. is no joke. They're meeting at 6.05 here. And my understanding is they're having a lot of good food, correct? Oh, yeah. Cookout. Cookout tonight. So if any guy is wanting to get involved in a men's uh, group, this is a perfect opportunity to start. For sure. Right here. 104 you, Court Street. If you don't like it, you can just say it was a prank. It, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, it's a great group. I've been going over the last couple of months when I can. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited they're meeting in downtown Cynthia. Yeah, me so, too. I think it's going to change great. the game. I think Get so. more people. It's mm. good. Speaking of April Fool's, has anybody played any good pranks lately? Yeah. I only wish that some of the things that have happened would be pranks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> but anywho, the, uh, yeah, you know, I was trying to think about that. I told you all on the way out here, I, I don't really recall too many, uh, flagrant, really serious jokes that I've ever had played on me. Um, I've had, uh, I've had a few things oddly happen happen on April fools at times that I thought somebody was messing with me because I'm paranoid and they weren't like my truck has broken down and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, somebody like, you know, mess with my truck or something like that. But I haven't had too many. What about you guys? I haven't played any successfully. Well, Probably. you're married to the great prankster. You realize that, don't you? I know. I you're know. in trouble I today. I left him at home. <laughs> oh, no. You that, did not. That's a mistake. I, you did, you so are sad. in serious trouble. I'm worried trouble. about it. I didn't even think about it. I just left. Probably the, the best prank I ever played uh, was when I was in elementary school. I came home from school one day and wrapped my arm up in a cast. Like no it was way. a cast and put a... And so when my mom came home from work and got home from work, she walked through the door and she looked at me and I was laying there in a cast. And I said, <laughs> I broke my arm at school today. And oh. she freaked out. Why didn't they call me? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, it took me a while to say April Fool's, April Fool's, calm oh, down. So. That reminds me of a <laughs> prank that beat. I played on my mom once. I took a purple marker and colored my toe purple. And I said, Mom, I kicked Drew. My little brother. I kicked my little brother in the butt, and I think I broke my toe. And she <laughs> bought it. <laughs> Courtney. <laughs> that was a horrific April Fool's. I know, so the I lesson know. of today is none of us can be trusted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I told I told my high school students at youth group one night that it was my it was that was going to be my last night, and uh, that I was going to pursue my dreams and. Um, and then I had made a video of me river dancing. And I said, I'm going to explain to you in this video why I have to leave. And then I played a video of me river dancing. <laughs> Horribly, I might add. That's amazing. Wait a minute. Hold on. I just want to grab that image in my head just for a second. 
Maddie Riverdance. Just the, just imagine it. <laughs> Breathe it in. The magic of it. The magic of the moment. That is great. That's good stuff. That's, what, that's wow. an awesome story. That yeah. took some planning. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Good job. But they were they were they were buying it. They were like, "Oh my gosh, he's leaving. He really is leaving." <laughs> and then I was like, "I'm going to pursue my dreams. This video is going to tell you guys all about it." <laughs> and then boom, <laughs> guys, I'm leaving to become a river dancer. Yeah. And they still bought it after seeing the video. <laughs> they they definitely didn't buy it after seeing the video. <laughs> they they uh they well realized, they probably questioned it. They might have bought it, but they questioned. Well, like you the probably balloon. shouldn't quit your. Dance they were though. like, "You are never going to dance professionally in any capacity." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I kind of wish it had been uh, your inline skating career. Yeah, you know, it, it was kind of over at that point. Okay. So like, like I really, I really couldn't have pulled it off. Probably at that point. <laughs> That's funny. Inline skating. Yeah. Well, today um, we actually have a sort of heavy topic that we're going to talk about, but we feel it needs to be addressed, um, and we're gonna we're gonna just tackle this head on. Why is it that leaders fall, and how should we respond when that happens? Wow. Yeah. What a great topic for April one. Right. It's pretty uh, heavy. Yeah, it's heavy, and. Um, um, I, maybe we need to just uh, set the context for it a little bit, yeah. Um, because we've had people that have been faithfully listening to our podcast, so I want to. Um, um, we we've had, of course, it's been in, the Leesburg staff has been involved with the um, the podcast since since day one, and um, um, that has in, involved all of us that are here, and then. Um, also, uh, our student minister, Zach Pergram, uh, has been involved in that. Um, this weekend, uh, this past week and weekend, um, Zach uh, came forward to, to me first and then to the leadership of the church and um, has uh, resigned his position with us uh, due to a moral failure with regard to an affair. And... Um, um, we announced that to the congregation straightforward as soon as we could, which was this past weekend, um, as honestly and as um, upfront as we possibly could could do that. And Zach and Kelsey stood together um, in a spirit of unity um, and brokenness uh, with repentant hearts, hopefully to ask God and the congregation for healing and and um, restoration in their marriage. Um, our elders stood uh, alongside of them and our leaders of our church and prayed over them. And um, of course, we've continued to offer assistance, even though uh, he will not be serving um, our ministry in an official capacity any longer. Mm-hmm. So we certainly want to continue to lift them up. It's, it's a heavy thing. Yeah, it's a it's a really heavy thing, and I think all of us struggled this past week when we found out that information on proper response. Yeah, yeah, it was a really heavy week in the office. Mm-hmm. Mostly just. Sad. Well, you know, um, when you work with people like this, like we do, um, in a very uh, emotional venue anyway which ministry is you you uh develop a bond and you have uh 
um, a special relationship in terms of of um, camaraderie that maybe you don't have in all secular work. Yeah, because yeah. we work in worship together. Yes, it's, it's a little a bit different, different kind of work. Which is also something we probably ought to talk about because that mm-hmm. too in itself can be a contributing factor to some potential problems. Absolutely. And uh, we, we probably need to talk about that. So we're not really here to talk about today. I don't think, guys, it, it, help me with this. I, we're not really here to talk about Zach and, yeah. and him personally. But we are, I think it is important to talk about the issue of what happens when there's a, a moral failing particularly in the context of the church, with a church leader um, and how they're, what should be the proper response to that. Mm-hmm. And then as, as people who care about these people very much who have maybe come out with this, what should our reaction be to it as well as Christ followers and accountability partners? Yeah. And uh, that's not a, always an easy, an easy topic. Because the truth of it is, um, you know, we see this every day, uh, yeah. not just in ministry. I mean, we well, you see it, you see it in politics as well, uh, all professions, uh, all professions, school system, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that we hold our religious leaders, our church leaders, up on a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes rightly, but sometimes we wrongly too, because they're as human as anybody else. That's yeah. true. We are all just sinners with a sinful nature, right. saved by grace, and we all stand at the same level at the foot of the cross. And so mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking. I mean, it absolutely is. When I was sitting in service yesterday and, and heard the news, my eyes teared up uh, because you you love your leaders. That's and, right. Uh, mm-hmm. It breaks your heart. It really when does. you see people go through tough times, and we all go through it. It's just... Yeah. But I do think that there's um, a proper and an improper way to respond. Absolutely. Because while we cannot control, uh, there's a lot of outcomes of things that we don't have any control over, but we do have the choice of how we respond to it. Right. And I think that historically, probably, the church hasn't done a very good job at responding very well. Right. Um, There's either anger and condemnation or there's uh, excuses and um, it yeah, the passivity, yeah. just completely uh, or it. denial and mm-hmm. and manipulation, trying to put a spin on it that's um, maybe trying to cover something that is not accurate because you think people can't handle it. I've always found out that people handle the truth a lot better than maybe you give them credit for, even though it might be a little bit painful on the onset. I think the healing is a lot yeah. more expedient. Mm-hmm. I think you said something really important this weekend um, when you brought our attention to the fact that our trust is in Jesus um, and people fail and we fail ourselves. Um, But the church is not going to crumble because of one moral failing. Well, you know, I think we forget that ever since the inception of the church, even in its purity in the first century, this is not a new topic. Right. There have been immoral failings in every aspect of life, even from the beginning of the of the purest form of the church when it first started. Um, you know, we see it all through Scripture, you know, all through the New Testament when they're dealing with all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on because people are people regardless of the century or regardless of 
the technology. It doesn't matter. Uh, as James said, we all have uh, a tendency to struggle with that sin nature that we all have, and that's not going to go away. However, I think in what I wanted to hopefully address before we get away from this subject today is maybe some preventative measures that we can talk about uh, to build hedges of protection around ourselves, as, as God's Word does encourage us to do as well. Mm-hmm. So, What are some of the consequences that the church should expect um, for, for leaders with moral failings? And as they're dealing biblically with an issue, what sort of things should we expect? Well, I expect the leader to to confess. I mean, confession of sin is is a big part of it. Uh, and so I, I I'm not sure exactly how this particular issue came came out into the light. But for a leader to come and confess when they are in sin, or when even when they're tempted to be in sin, that's the best time to confess something is when you feel the temptation sure. at that yeah. level. Uh, but we all don't always do that, and uh, so confession is a big part of it, I think, and one of the first steps towards healing. Yeah, so the, you're saying then that one of the expectations would be that we deal with it. Yes. Yeah. And I think in this situation in particular, we can be confident that our leadership dealt with this um, as quickly as they could right. and as honestly as they could. And so, uh, to me, that's comforting to know that even though this is a, a heartbreaking moment for us, we have some good leadership that we come under. And we really do, yeah. and yeah. we're 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 so blessed. You know, I, I really uh, intentionally uh, worked and reworked, even though it was a brief closing statement. Man, I chose those words really carefully, mm-hmm. right? Because I really wanted people to understand what we're trying to be as a ministry. Um, you know, I made mention of the fact in case someone missed it and I want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to hear it. But, um, you know, I made mention of the fact that if you're wondering what kind of place that Leesburg is, we're one that makes a deliberate and intentional effort to really hold on to truth and grace very tightly. Yeah. And I think the fallacy in dealing with not just these types of issues, but all divisive church issues is that you either have uh, one extreme or the other. You have a a group of people who either uh, are all about the condemnation and the judgment and purging all the evil out of society and with no compassion or sympathy or love or mercy or anything, or you have the other extreme where, you know, people want to say, well, anything goes and all roads lead to God and and it's okay to behave however you want because we're all sinners and we're all uh, people with uh, feet of clay. And we all make mistakes. And, and both of those things, to a degree, are true. Mm-hmm. What, you have, what we have to do is follow the one whom we point to, that is Christ, and how did he handle every single situation he came across. He told the truth. He convicted people of whatever wrongdoing there was and then said, follow me. I love you. Leave, leave whatever it is that has been destructive to your pattern of life, and I'll show you a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we, can, if we can do that, we've done people, in my opinion, a great service as to really what 
Christianity is all about. Unfortunately, there is uh, a segment, and there always will be, a contingency of people that look at situations like this and they throw their hands up, make an excuse, that's why it doesn't work. You know, that's why I don't want anything to do with the church. Well, if you're going to try to avoid moral issues of the world and problems that people have, I don't know where you go for that. Yeah, I do know, I don't know how you get away from that. I do know where you go to find the solution to heal that. And that's what we're offering. That's what Christ offered. That's what, that's what we're proponents of. And that's my take on it anyway. What do you think, Captain Smith? I think you're exactly right. I, I thought your words about truth and grace and, uh, you know, Jesus was full of both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way you extended grace, uh, that's what we have to show, not just to members of the church, but to the world as well. We need to show grace, but also the standard of truth as well. And, uh, you know, we have an accountability factor. And I just want to say this uh, for those who may be curious uh, we, we have an accountability factor at our church. We have a, we literally have a personnel policy that you sign when you come into an agreement to be an employee on staff at our church that, uh, you decide and tell, uh, not only the, the leaders of the church, but also yourself that you're going to be accountable for your moral behavior. Uh, there has to be that expectation. Um, and uh, we don't do it from a policy point of view necessarily. It's more about a spiritual point of view that, you know, there is an expectation which is taken out of Scripture. Right, Courtney? Yeah, James 3, verse 1. Yeah, what does that say, by the way? It says to be careful about your teaching because you're going to be held accountable. That's just my paraphrase. Yeah, it's a little bit more strict. Of There's or of higher responsibility. Yes. There's a stricter accountability for those who speak and teach the word of God. Right, right. And I think we have to be mindful of that because it is it's a huge thing, a huge responsibility. You know, one of the great fallacies and, and problems that we have in ministry, you know, I, I know that I sound a little biased, and maybe I am because I'm I've been in ministry my whole life, but you know, one of the one of the things that is so different about this role, and I've worked secular jobs, and you all have too, um, that's so different from other works, is that the expectation for ministry uh, is to be empathetic and compassionate and yet professional. Mm -hmm. That is a difficult balance to have, and that's why sometimes people get find themselves in 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 trouble with this because every um particularly in an affair situation or that particular moral failing it always starts with a very strong emotional connection Hmm. and we are in the business of emotional connection (laughs) yeah so to build hedges of protection around that and balance that out sometimes becomes very uh, you have to be very deliberate and intentional, mm-hmm. and you know we have to hold each other accountable. And it's it, that's a very difficult thing to do because if we're cold and and build walls to the people that we talk to, um, you're not going to be very. We're not going to be effective in the ministry because no. that's what people are. They're looking for connection. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time uh, in church. 
But by the same token, that's a dangerous place to find yourself if you're vulnerable Mm -hmm. because there's an area of your life maybe that isn't being um, nurtured. So there's some boundaries and accountability that we have to we have to set up boundaries for ourselves and ask for accountability and then there's a responsibility of accountability for the people that we're close with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, but we see this in all aspects. You know, I, we were I was talking with a family member last night and we were talking a little bit about this kind of thing and one of the things they said to me which was interesting was uh, they said, you know, you, you kind of have an, a, an interesting job and position because no other profession on that level has the expectations to um, be deliberate in their relationships like you do. For example, um, doctors don't pal around with all the nurses and their husbands, and there's not an expectation to do that. To have them over to their home and holidays and, and, you know, all there's not that expectation. You know, attorneys don't vacation with their paralegals. You know what I mean? But in ministry, it's almost like, well, if you don't reach out like that, then you don't care about us. Like in 1 Corinthians, Paul's like, I become all things to all people. That feels like sometimes that is the expectation. Yeah, that's the expectation. And, you know, and, and... I have found myself really struggling with that because uh, while they say they look at, while the the world will look at you and say, well, we know that you're human and you're a man. And the truth of it is when it comes down to it, they really don't look at you the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a good thing because then you have the authority to maybe speak into their life. The dangerous part of that is, is that it, it sets you up for potential failure on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Um, the individual can think that they're maybe God to them. That can be the God complex. Or, on the other hand, if you let them see maybe some the real you, then if they're weak in their faith, it can be a stumbling block. Yeah, it could turn them off. Right. Mm-hmm. And that call, that judgment call... Uh, you know, I'm I'm tell I'm just being completely honest when I say it makes me not want to be close to people. I mean, you know, that's my knee jerk reaction is that I want to hold people at bay. I don't want to get very close to people on a personal level. And every time I find myself doing that, then I get criticized for well, you don't care, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's like what you know. I I don't know what else to do. You know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a difficult spot to find yourself in. It really is. And um, I'm not sure what all the answers are to that other than my go-to verse, Galatians 6, 7. <laughs> don't give up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to yeah. stick with it, keep doing it, and try to figure out and let the Lord lead, you know. But, yeah. You know, it's amazing, though, you know, when you look at things like this, that uh, we don't have – we're not very good at learning from um, uh, observation. You know, I was just reading uh, earlier, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, when Paul's saying, you know, talking about the Israelites and all that they went through in their relationship with God. And he said, these things happen to them as an example, basically to us, of what to and what not to do. Right. <clears throat> and we look and we read those stories and we look at these guys, the Israelites particularly, and we think, what a bunch of idiots. What? And yet we do the exact same things. <laughs> all these centuries later, 
we have the exact same tendencies that they do to do these things. We don't learn very well sometimes, um, maybe until we've been really burnt or hurt, uh, that there's a better way, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's something to think and ponder about a little bit. It, it certainly has me um, thinking about it. Well, there is that balance. I mean, we when you're in the ministry together and even not the paid ministry, say you're in a men's group or, you know, a Bible study group, you want those close relationships. Those are what holds you accountable. Sure. And yet at the same time, you have that want to stand off. You know, you don't want to be hurt. You don't want to be drawn into something that, that, that you don't want to be drawn into. Uh, Paul even said, you know, I, I do the things I don't want to do. I mean, I have yeah, no that's control right. over it. Uh, uh, and so I have to fight even harder to mm-hmm. to put those hedges up around you while at the same time loving one another. And what are some of those hedges, guys? What do you think that those are? What are some preventative things that we can do to provide protection for us, our families, and for the people that we're working with? I mean, we've talked about it a lot on here, but <coughs> having having somebody that can hold you accountable and mentor you that maybe been through some of those situations before can be huge. Uh, I know like in the church, especially like we mention it all the time, you know, when you get burnt out, you're, you start getting susceptible to everything. You can, you can have a moral failure, any kind of failure at that point. Um, but that goes for everybody. When you're burnt out in your marriage, when you're burnt out in your job, when you're burnt out there and you don't have anybody that's like, Hey man, I'm seeing some things that you might want to fix or you're going to crash and burn. You know, um, if you don't have that in your life, you got to find somebody that you can trust to do that. Cause there's been many times in my life that I would have been out of the ministry. If somebody hadn't been like, Hey, you need a break, go home for a while. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. We'll, we'll make do without you. Cause I know for me, one of my biggest things is it's hard for me to take off. Like, uh, I always want to keep doing it, keep pushing forward. I, sometimes I need somebody to be like, Hey man, it's, it's your time to take a, a little time off. Um, so having that just in any aspect of your life, having somebody that can speak into your marriage that's that's been through it for longer than you, that's that's gotten through all the things that you think are hard now, and they're going, well, that's, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what we've been through in 40 years, you know? You need to hear those things. I think for me, that's, that's a huge one for me, mm-hmm. for that whole burnout issue. I agree. I actually, I spread my people out a little bit. Like, I have people in my daily life, um, and I'm accountable to them for some things, but also I have people that are that have nothing to do with the ministry that I work yeah. in, and they are people that I can tell anything to. It'll never get around, um, and they will be honest with me. And, like, my mom's the best at it. She's always, have you prayed about it? but also something else that we can do is to be disciplined about our interaction with the word of god um james one talks about the word of god being like a mirror and you look at it and you can forget who you are but if we're looking at it and we're walking away and forgetting who we are we're gonna miss all those things that we're meant to see we're meant to see the the flawed uh humanity that exists we're meant to see the sin nature that god is redeeming and and so if you are not disciplined about your interaction with God through his word, you're going to miss these things. 
that you need to be careful about. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, um, that's th- those are the places that it's got to be founded. I think even where it gets a little bit more complicated is when you look into that mirror and then you start, it, it's hard to be objective about some of your own vulnerabilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe where you need someone else to kind of help speak into y- your life. You know, as crazy as this sounds, and I know, you know, um, there, there there was a quote off of um, Silence of the Lambs, the movie. I've mentioned this before, but it is so true. When they're trying to find that 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 serial killer, Hannibal Lecter, in that movie, uh, tells the FBI agent that we covet what we see every day. If you want to find this guy, find out what he was look find go to where the victim was and see who saw that victim every day. We covet what we see every day. That's where emotional connection happens. It's where it's it's why we look at I, I've done this before, and I'm just being honest. When you look at certain guys that are with certain women and you think, how did he get her? <laughs> yeah. Well, it people say have, that all the time about yeah, me. Well, me and too. My wife. They've been saying <laughs> about me before. I you. hope they say it about me. Yeah. <laughs> How did you hope? Yeah. How did he get? And and you know, the, there's the reason is is because there's a, it's an emotional connection that that really is the attractiveness, not necessarily what you would line up physically and say that's com- that looks compatible, you know, because there's something else there. There's something else there that that's happened that maybe you can't put logic to. And we got to be really careful uh, because it's very easy uh, to get uh, into an unhealthy state of connection with people if we don't season our speech, um, stay focused. Uh, we got to watch our conversation with people. Mm-hmm. There are lines of intimate talk that we have to stay away from, maybe even joking that we've got to stay away from. Right. Um, innuendos that we kind of can become guilty of, of, of getting caught up in and it's funny, but it's not really funny, right. you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, and I think that we all know that, um, but, and, but still it's, it, there's a discipline in that, that we have to just be really, there's a self-awareness that really has to come to play in that, which scripture talks about. And that's what you were referring to, mm-hmm. I think a while ago. So. Yeah, I think that's huge. So what else you got? What else do I have? I'm blanking. You're blanking? What about <laughs> it, Maddie? I don't know. I just I do want to say this. In uh in I guess eighteen years of ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I'm getting old already. You um, are getting old, dude. <laughs> I can't believe it's been eighteen years. But um in all that time, I don't think I've ever been in a situation that was handled as well as mm-hmm. this weekend. And why? What? What? What was it about it that made you feel that way? Uh, well, for one, just uh, when you you know when you when you have elders and you have you know a staff, sometimes you know like we see each other every day. We don't always see the elders every day. Correct. You know, we see them. Uh, sometimes we don't see them for two weeks. You know. Um, you might bump into them at church or whatever, but, uh, so sometimes you wonder how they're going to handle a situation. Um, but to see their compassion and 
um, uh, the love that they have for our ministry as well as the staff uh, to see how they came around Zach and Kelsey uh, and handled that situation. Um, it just speaks a lot to to their character, which I think that's another thing that we should probably talk about. Is that's a huge part of his character, mm-hmm. the people that we the people that we are and the people that we hire and you know looking for that character and how they would handle situations when they do have a, a stumble, you know? Right. Um, but, but our, our leaders just killed it this weekend. Well, I think one of the things that was most visible to me was the love that the elders, the staff and the congregation had for Zach and Kelsey. I mean, they just, and, and that was evident uh, the scriptures that say love one another, you could tell that that was, that was in play. People's hearts were breaking. And uh, there was going to be a lot of prayers of support. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure many people went up and say, hey, if you need somebody to talk to, give me a call. I'm here for you if you need anything. I'm sure they heard that all weekend. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and rightfully so. And, and, and that's the way we should as a church handle situations like this, no, no matter what the sin is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we should love one another and right. bear one another's burdens. And mm-hmm. I agree. Um, you know, it all comes back to that golden rule, doesn't it? It does. How would how would you want someone to handle you? Yeah, treat you. That's exactly what you. I was thinking. Was if I ever were to go through anything like this, I would want. This is what I would want around me. You know, and I've always I, I've always said, you know, whenever I evaluate something like this. You know, there's always that process when you have shock and awe over any situation. I, I kind of compare it to when somebody dies. It's a yeah. very similar grief process sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have the shock of it, denial of it, the anger of it. Uh, finally, you have acceptance and sorrow. And then you have prolonged grief. You have all those kinds of things that kind of go along with something like this. Um, I am very grateful that we were able to um, have a collective consensus on let's handle this as upfront, honestly, transparently, compassionately, and with love as we can. Because while we have, again, we don't have any control over a lot of people's behavior, but we do have a control over how we respond correctly right. to that. And we've got to take that responsibility serious. And I think that's what the world has not seen handled very well by the church in the past. I hope that this, and I meant this very sincerely that when I said this weekend that this is really an opportunity for to for us to let our light shine. We like to laugh. We like to joke. We have, like to have a good time. Our services are, for the most part, not heavy on, on you know, other yeah. than it's a serious content, but we try to have a good time in presenting the good news. You know, it's right. celebrative, and we want it to be that way. Um, <clears throat> but by the by the same token, uh, we, we also want to respond in serious uh, fashion and intention with intentionality of doing it correctly and showing people that, you know, life is tough sometimes and there's a lot of adversity. You can't get away from that. There is no perfect church. There are no perfect people. I said that this weekend, uh, but there is a perfect savior and we got to continue to point to him as being the solution for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the authenticity that people are hungry for and longing for. Um, and needing in, in their lives. And I just hope that it's an encouragement to people. Uh, I did have several people that came up to me that said, um, 
that uh, they really appreciated that that spirit. So that was good. Um, I also had, interestingly enough, because I think of the way it was handled, had two individuals that came up and made very serious confessions to me this weekend that I'm going to try to help assist in the right avenue for healing for their life. So I thought, wow, that says something, that they have the confidence after seeing and hearing that to now come forward with something they've been not willing to disclose and living in the pain of that. And now they're looking for personal help too. So that was a good sign to me that it was a healthy environment that we were able to do it that way. And I think that's one of the hardest things about being a Christian is when you are in sin, coming clean to someone else. Oh, yeah. Confessing sin uh, when you have fallen into it, which we all will. And uh, for people to see how it's handled and that there's no condemnation. It's it's love and grace and accountability. That's... I think that helps a lot of people. And I think, you know, in in our situation in rural ministry, uh we know we know how much of a stage that's going to hit like when when something like this does happen in Cynthiana, everybody's going to know about it. So how you handle it is so important because you you can't you're not covering it up. Yeah. And if you try to, you're you're going to cause a lot of problems. Um so there's just like I just can't, I can't imagine it being handled any better. Um, yeah. I hope that the, the fruit of it uh, in the future uh, will be uh, increase our ability for outreach. Yep. You know, I, I really do believe it was ironic that I, the message I had this weekend was so well uh, tied into that unintentionally. I started that three weeks ago. Right. So that was kind of a weird thing but you know i really do believe that god uses all things to work together for his good all things all of it and he will use this as long as our response is the right response yep he will use it for for good and he will do that for whomever makes the confession or is dealing with the problem same is true for them individually as well as it is for us uh, corporately as as a congregation moving moving forward i just really you know uh there, there are going to be people, um, and I'm, I, I know because I've been through the fires of this kind of thing before. There are going to be people that are going to uh, um, rejoice in the fact that uh, we've had this problem. Yeah, there's going to be people that are going to mock the church and Christianity because of that, which is why our responsibility is is so great. But by the same token. Uh, you know, I'm always quick to to remind people that um, that's an uh, that's an option that you have, but there's going to come a day when you are going to have a problem, mm-hmm. and you're going to be looking for people to surround you with the kind of things we're talking about here, and you got you better you better be careful. Absolutely. You know, and I hope that we can um, make an impact with that. So tough stuff you know it's it's hard it's it's heart-wrenching um but it's also like everything else it's it's a learning opportunity and a teachable moment for all of us i think it's a great teachable moment for the parents of of our kids at church absolutely and uh, to talk about some of the realities of life and how we respond to them 
Do we have any final thoughts? Easter's coming. It is. Easter's coming. Talk about resurrecting dead things. Here we go. It'll be good. We're excited about it. What's our Easter schedule, Courtney? On April 20th and 21st. Somebody is that Easter me. weekend? That's Easter weekend. Ah. That's it. Um, we are having four services, like usual. Saturday, 6.05. Sunday at 8 o'clock. That's not as usual because we're having breakfast. Breakfast! And then uh, 9.45 and 11.15. So we encourage you to come and be a part of those services and invite people. Yes. We have invitation cards, actually, at the church for the next couple of weeks. We do. That have our information on them. Mm-hmm. You can or you can visit our website or have encourage somebody else to do that as well, correct? Sure. You can share it on Facebook, too. We've got announcements around. So. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Look forward to it and hope everybody uh, is excited about that opportunity to, you know, to spring forward into the wonderful <laughs> throes of summer. Oh, boy. Yeah, welcome, Summer. It's 30 degrees this morning. <laughs> What's the deal? I don't know. It's not my fault. But you know what? The sun <laughs> is shining. The it's sun true. is shining. Well, that's about it for us today. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you guys would like to interact with Iceberg Talk, you can do so by emailing Iceberg Christian Church. We'll see you later. See ya. See ya. Bye.